Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, your one-stop shop for Royals news and analysis, just like RoyalsReview.com is, just the written version. Please support us by following in your podcast feeds, and also you can follow us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. I have two, I, I wouldn't call them guests at this point. They are, they are mainstays. Jeremy Greco is, is my co-host, even though I think... At one point in his life, he ate hot dogs sideways. Like, I don't know. Jeremy, you just seem like a guy who would do that. You know, uh, it's a little bit of a different experience eating a hot dog sideways. And I'm all about new and unique experiences. So uh, I, I'll admit it. I, I mean, eaten hot dog sideways. I think everyone should eat a hot dog sideways at least once in their life. Okay, well, that is a very hot take to start off the podcast. You heard it here first, folks. You should eat a hot dog horizontally. And uh, my other person tonight, as always, is Greg Walker. Greg, have you uh, eaten a hot dog like a sandwich before? Not really intriguing in my mind. Let's not open that can of worms right now. Is a hot dog a sandwich? But when you mention horizontally or like from the front, I'm just trying to physically understand, like, what's the front of a hot dog? Like, it's just a cylinder. It does, doesn't have a front. So, I don't know. We're talking about three dimensions here, and I don't exactly. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it right now. And I, th- I assume you mean, like, basically, instead of eating, it like long ways like turning it sideways is that what you're getting at yeah and then you eat it like an ear of corn okay i mean i guess that's one way you could do it i'm I'm not gonna choose to myself but you know power to you i feel like it would make a mess that way it really would especially if you had a whole lot of toppings on it and stuff yeah, I don't eat. I don't sometimes, eat naked hot dogs. So like, yeah, mess is worth it. I'm just saying, sometimes in life, the mess is worth it. All right. Well, you can uh, you can keep that mess. I don't want to imagine you eat like a Chicago style hot dog or something horizontally. All right. Because next thing you're gonna tell me is you you eat the bottom of it, like where the where the bread where the bun actually no, meets. I, the, the Chicago hot dog you have to eat. You have to eat on a completely different axis it's it's kind of, it, i would have to draw diagrams <laughs> i can't go and do it right now this is an audio medium oh my gosh okay yeah we're we're just gonna leave that lie it's making my head hurt hey, like, on, on a related note which uh which side is the correct side to open a banana from oh my gosh the middle okay no that that's automatically the wrong answer <laughs> You cut it in half because I'm a child. There's no right answer, I don't feel. The, the end that leads to you eating the banana successfully is the end to open it on. See, that, that's the open-minded take from Jeremy, but the correct take is the side that does not have the stem on it is the correct end. That way you have the stem as like a handle to hold on to while you eat it. What? How ripe are the bananas that you're eating if you could hold on to it like a handle? <laughs> are they still green? <laughs> How, how weak is the handle on your banana? Like, is it already floppy by the time you eat it? Yes, I like my bananas floppy. Okay, Do you like the leave. brown? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to be clear. I am not the one who derailed the podcast tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, that is correct. That is correct. That would be myself with talking about hot dogs, bananas, and Chicago-style food. But I have Chicago on the mind because uh, special guest uh, appearance from your wife. Yeah, special <laughs> special background commentary from from my wife there. Uh, now we will have to be marking this episode as explicit, thanks to uh, thanks to her comments from the peanut gallery. I'm um, worth, it, worth it. Hashtag worth it, baby. 
shit like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it, y'all. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's, listen, 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 listen. Let's get back on track, y'all. Let's try to talk about some Kansas City Royals baseball here. Yeah, they play games. All right, sure, I guess. I yeah, I, I think they do. Um, they're actually quote unquote hot. They they were hot. They were on a two game winning streak, guys. It was uh, it was an amazing time to be. Were were yes, emphasis on were. They did they lost Tuesday night's game, but I I ain't gonna lie. Their last ten, they've been four and six, so they're almost playing five hundred baseball. That's something, right? I mean, they've actually been scoring runs. Yes, that they have. They have been scoring runs, and the the offense has been one of the best parts of of this recent run of games. Um, I do, and both of y'all can, can fillet me for this, but I just want to give kudos to Jordan Lyles on his Tuesday night start, a complete game, four runs. I thought it was pretty good. No walks, six strikeouts. I can't complain about that whatsoever. Jeremy, go ahead and crap all over that. It's not a quality start. Just come on. Not everyone can it's be It's not a quality crazy. start even. Come on. <sighs> Dude, I, I don't think I love, deserve hey, kudos if it's not at least a quality start. I mean, so I, me, I don't care how many innings you pitch. Let me run this past you. The, if they at least won, I would consider it. Okay, okay. Hey, hold on. That's not, his, that's not his fault, okay? You only score two runs, you're not going to win that many games. So let me think about a theoretical Jordan Lyles here. Imagine you have a, a pitcher that for 33 starts a year, he's going to go out there, go the distance, and give up four earned runs every single time with matching peripherals. He would win the Cy Young. That's I I don't disagree yeah, with that at all. Probably. That's amazing. So I will take that start, even if it's only a one off, because like <laughs> with how bad Jordan Lyles has been, I will absolutely take nine innings and four earned runs. How, how bad the entire pitching staff has been, I will absolutely take that. I was I was terrified to see him go because like oh god he has to start against the Chicago White Sox who aren't very good, but it's still Jordan Lyles and this is going to get messed up somehow. Likely, oh god. Now that, oh. that might end up being his best start of the year. It, it might be. And you know what? If it is cool, we all knew what he was coming in. He's an innings eater. He really hasn't even met those expectations, unfortunately. But I it's think he's like seventh season. in baseball on that. He, he is. He is. I'm just talking that, like so, uh, that, that it's, counts. Uh, it's, you know, seven or six innings to start of like six earned runs. You know, I, th- I think that was more or less the expectation. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. I At this point. I think the Royals are are happy to sign up for that because they've been shuttling guys back and forth with Omaha already. Like, oh no, we don't have enough relievers. So <laughs> Jordan Lyles pitch allowing any number of runs while eating innings is what they want. That is very true. That is very true. And I will so just, just, Jeremy, just, I think we're gonna I think we'll save this for another podcast episode, but I do want I want to take a deeper dive into like, because there's been a lot of these big free agent pitchers from this last class that just haven't panned out at all. I mean, you know, a lot of folks can focus on Verlander, uh, but like Carlos Rodon, I think that's how you say his name. He hasn't even pitched an inning for the Yankees yet. Um, I feel like this last pitching class was, you know, we all thought it was really strong, but it's turning out that are super weak this season. So I am curious how Lyle stacks up against his peers. I mean, he's thrown more innings than most of them, so there's that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, but speaking of pitchers, we do want to, you know, I'm sure you already have heard by now, but Ryan Yarbrough is officially on the 15-day injured list um, with head fractures, as in plural, multiple. Um, I won't go into detail. The Royals, the Royals released um, all the details into, into what was broken and, you know, his recovery. Please go check that out on social media. Um, but I think a lot of people were, were digging on Ryan Yarbrough and kind of kind of rightfully so for his performance, but I think we can all agree that we wish him the best in his recovery and hope to see him on the mound healthy here before too long. Bramil Rays, guys, what do you – Greg, I'll start off with you. What Were you surprised by that? Got designated for assignment? I mean, at least a little bit. Like, I understand they needed the roster spot, but, I mean, given, like, the kind of the trade that was involving it, I thought that was a little bit weird. I can still see him coming back on a minor league deal, so I'm not going to rule out that Franville Reyes ends up continuing to play for AAA Omaha, but I guess the Royals really see something in that James MacArthur guy. Yeah, they, they must. Jeremy, were you surprised by that news at all? I, I was. Um, he looked very good in spring training. And I know we struggled during the regular season, but I uh, I didn't anticipate them moving on from him quite that quickly. But uh, then again, he wasn't one of the guys that they drafted and developed. So um, they've always been more willing to move on from those kinds of guys uh, a little bit quicker. That's true. That's true. And I I will say I, I haven't done a deep dive into James MacArthur. I don't know. I don't know much about the guy beyond the numbers, um, right. which were for a good chunk of it weren't very pretty for most of his um, most of his career, if you will, in the other team's organization. But I mean, these are the sort of moves that the Royals have to hit on, right? They have to take some of these low risk, medium reward sort of guys because at the worst you get another long reliever arm, right, Greg? I guess it's worth a try, but like I don't know. I kind of, I almost would have rather seen like, I don't know, can Framio Reyes figure it out because he does have at least some track record of producing offensively in the majors. Like he has at least a little bit of history of being like a competent power bat, which seems like the Royals have had a lot fewer of those than random relievers. And so I don't necessarily love it from that angle, but again, I'm just, I'm just trusting they really see something in this guy because like, again, I also haven't dug into him either. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, hey, on the other side of this ad break, we are going to hear from Jeremy all about MJ Melendez's recent changes at the plate and how that is helping his offensive progress this season. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown Podcast. I promise we are not going to talk about hot dogs or bananas anymore this uh, this podcast. But, Jeremy, so you were we were talking off the podcast a little bit about how some minor changes for MJ Melendez have paid off big time. Do you want to explain that a little bit more for our listeners? So um, this actually came from an article that Annie Rogers wrote because she writes – all the best articles about the Royals these days, uh, other than Royals Review, obviously. Um, and she uh, wrote about he made some adjustments to try and get around on those high uh, and inside fastballs. 
and he changed his stance up. And so I went looking for the video on baseball savant and by golly, he has changed his stance. Uh, at the beginning of the year, he was standing very upright and he had his bat kind of back up over behind his shoulder, um, which was not an ideal position, at least for him, apparently, uh, because, and I complained about this uh, regularly early on in the pod, not in this particular podcast, but earlier episodes of the podcast, uh, I didn't, he couldn't get, a, he was swinging at the high fastballs and he was way behind them and it was a problem. Um, and so he's, he's adjusted his stance. He's crouched down a little bit more forward, but even more importantly, I think he's got his bat out in front of him now. Um, so there's less time t- between the decision to swing and getting that bat into the strike zone. It's paid off in terms of he's making much better contact. He's not nearly as far behind on those high and tight pitches. Uh, and, and he's obviously having a lot of success at the plate right now. So it's paying off uh, in terms not just of looking better, but in terms of those results. Yeah, Greg, before I get on to you, I do want to ask you this, Jeremy. Do you sense it's a mechanics change? Do you think it's a it's a sustainable thing that he will continue to produce at the plate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like I said, I think the batting the bat position is helping him get the bat into the zone quicker once he makes that decision to swing. And when major league pitchers are throwing, you know, a hundred miles an hour, being quick is very important for getting those swings in, um, for get, making good contact. And and so I think that. As long as he does maintain these changes, uh, I think he's going to be able to have a lot of success. It looks like he's able to get his bat on the inside half of the the plate and on the upper half of the plate a lot better, a lot faster than he was before. And he's still got long arms, so he's still going to be able to reach the outer half when he wants to. Okay, okay. Greg, before, you know, I, I don't. we already heard about MJ Melendez. What I want to hear is... In the past, the Royals coaches have been criticized. Um, They've been one of the earliest kind of blamed groups for not making enough changes in the season, like things having to wait till the offseason for things to change. Do you think that MJ's quick batting position changes are a testament to these coaches, or is it just kind of something you would expect coaches to do? Does that make sense? I mean, it does seem like the sort of adjustment that you would expect coaches to help out young players with that are still trying to get themselves really going in the majors. And so the fact that he was having so many swing and miss issues early on in the season, like you would think they make some kind of adjustment to try to sort that out. And so it's good that it does appear like that is starting to work to some extent. The strikeouts and walks are still a little bit concerning, but we know early on in the season, he was hitting the hell out of the ball. He just wasn't making enough contact. And now he's actually making enough contact to kind of help that hard hit rate and uh, exit velo and all that play up. And so good on him. I don't know. I can't, I don't know if like you should credit the coaches or the player more with this. So, cause you know, I wasn't there. So, you know, give credit to whoever you want for it, but it's good to see a guy make adjustments kind of throughout the season because like it's like Rex Hudler always says, right? It's a game of adjustments. And also, I think it's interesting how MJ Melendez's turnaround does seem to like almost perfectly coincide with the Royals' offense in general turning around. Because I have a piece about this, I'll be putting out maybe sometime if I actually finish it. Like on April 21st, when they got just decimated by Shohei Otani in Los Angeles, like that was kind of the low point for their offense. But since then, the offense has been way better. And since then, MJ Melendez has been better. His uh, WRC plus in that time span since then is like 60 points higher than it was before that. So good for him actually getting to, getting to some of that raw power that he has. 
guys. Okay. Okay. Um, I know his his stats this season have been slowly ticking up. You know, we, we all were making the jokes about how bad the batting average and the OPS was for these Kansas City Royals. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm glad to see his batting average above 200 so far. <laughs> it's at it's at 211. Um, way to runs created plus is still pretty low at my 85, but it's all it's all progress, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Am I, am I right that we're just looking for some progress and hopefully that we are, we'll see some improvement, Jeremy? I mean, the season's already sunk as far as being competitive. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the, that's all that's left to look for is, is progress and hoping that next year doesn't have to be this bad. Um, and I just wanted to quickly tag on to what Greg was saying as far as the offense being better with NJ Melendez hitting. He's hitting, you know, pretty high in the lineup most of the time, leading off second, even the lowest I think he's batted is fifth. So it makes a lot of sense that uh, if he's if he's not hitting, then the, the team is going to struggle. That is very true. Greg, do you have any uh, other thoughts on the – on the offense or MJ Melendez's changes in particular before we get out, get on out of here. What's kind of weird is that Melendez is actually like not walking at all. And kind of the, not, not really the second half. I kind of sense he's made his adjustments when he was still drawing his walks early in the season, that's kind of tapered off. And so if you actually balance it out, it'd be pretty good because like the main thing tanking his overall value right now is he was a two ninety OBP. And so that, that's just not going to play no matter how much power you're hitting for that is true. That is true. We will uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on that and see if he continues to to produce at the plate. But if you just want to hear about who is producing, who isn't producing on the Kansas City Royals, please go check out RoyalsReview.com for the news and analysis over there. So I will say I'm <laughs> I'm hearing a lot about the Kansas City Royals in places I wouldn't expect. And one of those places today was Fangraphs. Um, they, you know, they started writing about the Royals a little bit earlier on in the season, but since the season's kind of lost, they've tapered off, but they dropped an article today proposing some contract extensions for major league players, especially young ones. And Vinny Pasquantino was on there. Now, before we talk about Fangraph's case for it, I do want all y'all to hear from Vinny himself today about his feelings i guess is the way to put it on staying in kansas city long term here you go Vinny. a lot of those guys alex gordon lorenzo kane eric Hosmer, so they got to be in kansas city a long time have you started or are you willing to have negotiations in the middle of the season about a possible long-term extension here <laughs> i gotta ask um, <laughs> yeah it's nothing i can uh <laughs> um I'm in constant communication with my agent and uh, I don't have anything for you on that end. Um, I, I, I appreciate the question, but I have no answer for you there. I assume you'd love to be here long-term if that was something that was on the table. I love the city. I love how the city has embraced me. I love how the city has embraced their athletes. And um, yeah, I, I really like this place but that's as much of an answer as I can give you. All right, Jeremy. So there's the audio for it. So I, I want to get your first thoughts. Like, how do you feel hearing that really awkward and I, I don't want to say slow response to it, but it was very well thought out. He chose his words carefully. I will say that. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of people, are reading into it on Twitter uh, and assuming that he was basically saying he doesn't want to be here um, and he's ready to move on already. 
but I, I think that's probably uh, a little quick to judge. I, I could read it uh, a little bit in various directions. Uh, you could read it that way. Um, um, the way I kind of read it was he was like, uh, they're, they're, I'm still on my rookie deal. I'm still making the minimum. I, I have no idea what the team's thinking about extensions. They haven't said a word to me. Um, that's, that was my interpretation of kind of his slowness was like, I, I, I can't even talk about that because they, the subject hasn't even been raised yet. Um, and, uh, so that, that was kind of my interpretation of, of what he was saying. As far as, you know, the deal, uh, that was on fan graphs, 100% would do that. Uh, the dude is a, a leader in the clubhouse already. Um, he hasn't even been up here a full year. And he seems like a really uh, fun, really nice guy, um, which is always nice to have uh, kind of of your as your face of your franchise. And he's hitting the tar out of the ball. He's walking like crazy. Uh, the Fangraphs projection, one thing I noticed on there was that it projects him to strike out more than a walk for the rest of his career and still sees him as very valuable. Um, and certainly that could happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, he's still walking more than he strikes out, which is just astonishing. And I, I think it's a mistake to just assume that he's going to eventually start striking out more and walking less uh, anytime soon. Yes, that is uh, that is an excellent point, Jeremy. Greg, what are so for all the listeners out there who haven't seen the article, Fangraphs proposed a very Royals friendly deal, if you ask me. A seven-year extension for fifty-four million dollars. Now, in the in the long run, that would be the Royals buying out a good chunk of control that they already have over Pasquantino, if, if I'm understanding it correctly. But it would avoid arbitration and make mm-hmm. things a little bit more simple, and also give an immediate pay bump to Pasquantino himself. So it's not a it's not a terrible deal, but. Greg, I will let's look at this from the fans perspective on why would Vinny want to attach himself to the Royals long term with how they're looking right now? Like, do you is that a valid argument or do you just want to see this play out and we should be quiet? Maybe he just really likes barbecue. Maybe he enjoys the city itself. I I don't know. I've never actually met the dude, so I can't speak on that. Like, I'm not surprised that he would give like an awkward answer or anything, kind of give him everything that Jeremy said. And also like around trade deadline, when a guy gets somebody like a reporter asks a guy like, so what do you think of all the trade rumors surrounding you? It's like, how are you supposed to answer that if you're a player? Like there's no really, there's no good response to those kinds of questions. And so don't know exactly what people really wanted to hear from him in terms of like that contract that not just Fangraphs, Jacob, let's give the authors some credit. Dan Simborski over at Fangraphs putting out that piece, suggesting some extensions for young players. You get a Vinny on there. I mean, yeah, seven for 54 sounds like a pretty good deal to me, but like it's not my money. So almost any contract sounds like a good deal to me. That's true. That's true. I still think that the best deal that they listed on there was the Adley Rushman deal. Six years, $141 million to lock up that man. That sounds like a bargain to me if you if you ask me. I do, before we get out of here on Vinny, I do want to say, I don't, I don't know how I feel about, I don't know if it was Cody. I don't know if it was Gold. I don't listen to Royals, or sorry, excuse me, Kansas City morning sports talk radio that much. I know it was two guys, and I think it was Cody and Gold on the show. Uh, but they they really tried to drag an answer out of out of Vinny there, Jeremy. Don't don't you feel like I don't? I think they kind of surprised him with that one. 
Oh, and I mean, that makes sense. They're doing a radio show. They're interviewing a guy. Uh, they got to get answers to questions, right? Uh, and uh, what, what other questions are you going to ask right now? Hey, Vinny, how does it feel to be playing on an awful team? Hey, Vinny, uh, you know, do you do, do 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 you like Italian breakfast? I mean, he's already talked about. He spent all last year talking about the nickname, right? So we can't talk about yeah. that much anymore. Uh, so they got to ask him something, and he's he's by far the best player on this team right now. So asking him about an extension uh, makes a lot of sense. He's he's very popular in Kansas City already, um, and I, that's that's what the people want to know. So as a as a sports broadcaster, I feel like or a, a, whatever you call them, uh, analyst, radio head, I don't know. Uh, they that's that's their job is to ask the questions that the people want to know the answers to. So I, I think that's what makes sense to to ask that question. Greg, do you you can tell me if I'm wrong, and I I probably am. This is just how I am as a person. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna interview someone, I at least one I give them a broad overview about what I'm gonna ask them about what I want to talk to them about. But if I know it's going to be a hard hitting question, I at least want them to have an answer prepared so we don't have a situation like this because now you have half of the Royals fan base saying, Oh, well, Vinny's gone. You have a quarter saying, Oh, well, he's just going to wait and see. And he's just worried about playing ball right now. And the other quarter making up conspiracy theories about how John Sherman is going to lift up Kauffman stadium and drop it in downtown Kansas city. Like Greg, I just, maybe it wasn't the wrong thing to do. I just feel like it wasn't very uh, respectful of Pasquantino. If you, uh, if you disagree, let me know. That's why you're not a talk radio host, Jacob. Oof, true. Fair. <laughs> Fair, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing this where we talk about uh, hot dogs and bananas. <laughs> oh, man. I do, right. do want to give them a, a little bit of credit in that doing talk radio, uh, there may not be an opportunity to, to really brief him uh, the true. same way that we do when we do a podcast interview. So that that might play into it as well. That's that's true. I I don't have any experience with that. So you you could be entirely right there, Jeremy. Good point. Good point. Well, hey, let's go and take an ad break. On the other side, we are going to just talk about some more Major League Baseball in general, about who we think are the top teams, and just we will, we'll do some reviews and we'll get on out of here. Stay tuned. And we are back on the Royals Rundown podcast with myself, Jacob Milham, Greg Walker, and Jeremy Greco. So, Greg, if folks check out your podcast, which I'm blanking on the name right now, please remind me. Please remind me. It is Bat Flips and Infield Shifts. Bat Flips and Infield sh- Shifts. I remember that because we were talking about how you were going to have to change the title since uh, since there is no more traditional shifts. Yeah, that hasn't happened. There are still shifts in college baseball, so it still works. That's right. That's right. Um, but instead of instead of talking about college baseball, I was I think I was listening to the Roundtable and Athletic podcast and they brought up a good point about how there's a lot of middling teams at least according to records right now in major league baseball um i i want to get your thoughts who do you think are the top three teams because i think the top two are pretty clear it's that third spot that has a lot of debate 
Yeah, I mean, Tampa is very obviously the best team right now. They're on a just an absolutely historic pace to start the season, both in terms of just their raw win total and their run differential and all that. So, like, they're looking legit. So they're going to win at least 100 games and make the playoffs pretty comfortably at this point. The Atlanta Braves, I think a lot of people thought were the best team coming into the year, and so far they pretty much have been the best in the NL. But you're right, that third spot is up for the debate because, like, the third most wins for any team is Baltimore. And, like, I love me the Orioles. I hope they become good, but I just – I do not trust that pitching staff at all. And the AL East is going to be a war. And so I don't think they're going to be looked at as a third best team. Once we get to the end of the season, I, I tend to think it's going to end up still being Houston. Like I know they're only 19 and 18 right now. They have the offense, especially hasn't been all that good. I know that Jose Altuve has still been out and there's just some guys towards the bottom of the order. that are uninspiring, but I just, I believe in the pitching staff so much. And there's a lot of veterans in that lineup. And so once they get going, I think they're going to, take their spot as like probably this best team in the American League it's not Tampa if it's not Houston it's probably the Dodgers because I mean that seems like the default answer they have it's a really good lineup that of like it's like full of reclamation projects and like James Outman and they've all been awesome so funny how the Dodgers can just pull random people out of them the thing that gives me pause with the Dodgers is I just don't really trust the starting pitching depth there even though it does seem like they managed to get like some prospect or some random reclamation project to give them a really good starting season every year I'm just not sure they have anybody on that team right now, but you know, the offense is amazing. The bullpen's amazing. And so the Dodgers probably still going to be really good. I still like the Padres to maybe catch up and take a division from them. But I mean, the Dodgers are kind of the default answer for all these questions, right? I mean, they've won a hundred games like every year for the past 30 years. I'm going to say that people are really sleeping on the blue Jays. I just think that team is too good to to sit there in third place in the AL East for too too long. Um, I know they're sitting there twenty one and sixteen. It's not a super inspiring record. They're three and seven over their last ten. But I just have this feeling that they're going to turn things around and they're going to go on a real hot streak. And and they probably won't overtake the Rays, but I think they might get a little closer than the Rays would like before the end of the year. I mean, I picked them to win the division preseason. and They're not going to overtake Tampa at this point. I don't see anybody catching them just with the pace that they're at. I just don't like Toronto's pitching staff. Like, Jose Barrios is just has not been the guy that he was in Minnesota ever since he got traded. Kevin Gosman is good, but, like, hasn't been as good as it was last year. Chris Bassett, I, I thought he would have some pitch clock issues, and sure enough, like, his numbers are down this year, and I don't think Yusei Kikuchi is good. So, there, and Alec Manello has been bad this year, too. So, like, there's just a lot of questions in that pitching staff for Toronto. That there is. That there is. I will I'm gonna go with a completely different direction. I'm gonna say the Texas Rangers, y'all. I really think that they, they're my pick yeah. for the third best team right now. Well, I mean, they got they got an eighty two run differential so far. Jacob deGrom hasn't been, you know, he's been shut down, but he hasn't been available all the time. He hasn't been a hundred percent healthy and they're still doing good. I'll I'll have to look at their schedule so far, see how easy it has been or hasn't been so far. But positive records both on the road and at home. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about them eventually being the third best team in Major League Baseball. But we got a long season ahead, guys, right? 
Yeah, I, I did think about the Rangers, but their schedule has been pretty light so far. I mean, they've had a series against Oakland. They've played the Royals twice. They actually got swept by the Reds, so that is also stuck in my mind. Of if you get swept by the Reds, then you're probably not the third best team in baseball. And also, with I might say this about quite a few teams, but I do have a lot of questions about their pitching depth. Also, it's like I don't think Martin Perez is that good. Heaney's been a disaster. The Grom getting injured was like basically a foregone conclusion. You yeah. mentioned earlier who was the best starting pitcher that was a free agent this past offseason and signed by Fangraphs for it's been Nathan Evaldi. Like he's really? pretty much got he's gotten back to where he was in 2021 of like the ERA is good, but he's actually still underperforming his fit by an entire run. So <laughs> curious if he's gonna pull that off. Second best has been Jacob DeGrom. So funny enough by Fangraphs where they've gotten the two best of the free agent starting pitchers this year. Well I mean they certainly spent the money to get that didn't they? I mean, this is what happens when you purchase your entire starting rotation. And then, again, DeGrom's already injured. Odorizzi was supposed to factor in, and he's already done it for the year and didn't even pitch. So, we'll see. He's probably going to get injured at some point. So, that's also troubling. That is true. That is true. Hey, Jeremy, how uh, how soon do you think we'll uh, we'll see the Royals up here in the, the top three team conversation, huh? <laughs> Uh, you know, when pigs fly, probably, I think, is, is a reasonable guess. That is. That is. And uh, I think we'll just call that air delivery barbecue or, or something like that. I don't know. It'll it'll be branded by someone. The pigs will just come with barbecue sauce strapped to their back or something like that. They weren't even one of the three best regular season teams in 2015 when they won the World Series. No, they, they really weren't. They were still very much a, an underdog. Weren't they? They had the best record in the AL that year, I thought. Yeah, they did, but the Cardinals won 100 games, and the Pirates won 99, and the Cubs won 98. So they, oh, were, right. they were still yeah, up there, know. but in overall base. Yeah, and I think in, I think most people really, and like most kind of statistical models, had Toronto as a better team than Kansas City coming into that playoffs. And like I agree, but the role is still on the series, and that's what counts. That is true. That is true. Hey, Greg, one more random point. How the heck are the Chicago Cubs 17 and 19 and they have a plus 42 run differential? Like they are. Check out their, check out their record in one run games. They are the exact are opposite of the Miami Marlins right now, who the Marlins don't have a good run differential, but their record is okay because they win every one run game. Wow. Okay. That'll, uh, that'll do it. Yeah. The Cubs might actually be pretty good this year. Like they might be considered market inefficiency. What'd you say? <laughs> the new market and efficiency just oh. lose all your one run games. I, I guess so. I guess that's the way to do it. We don't have to worry about that, though, in Kansas City, though, because we don't have that many close games. We so. lose by more than one run. <laughs> yes, yes, that we do. That we do. We are, And we proudly wear that like a badge of honor. While Jordan Lyles goes out there and pitches 120 pitches. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna get 200 innings this year like it's been a long time since the Royals had one of those yeah no doubt it, it has been quite a while i can't tr truth be told i can't remember who the last one was yeah 2015 uh at least Vol at least volquez did and i'm pretty sure a couple others did that same year too did vargas ever do that i feel like vargas is always injured like maybe in 2014 actually i'll have to go look that up i should really have this stuff ready to go shouldn't i you should have all of the royal stats in their entire history memorized. Come on, I'm I'm not Holtzy over here. Okay, I can't just <laughs> I can't just pull Kansas City Royals history out of my butt in the in the press box like Holtzman can do somehow. I want to I want to talk to that guy somehow. I think he's the Kansas City version of Rain Man. 
Actually, yeah, Volquez had 200 and a third in 2015, and that and was the last third. time Royal did it. And a third. Yeah, that extra out is very important. Yes, it is. It is extremely important. And I, re- I remember that they had him pitching in relief in, like, game 162 just so he could hit that 200-inning mark. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that sounds about right. You know what, like, is that – would that be surprising if they kept Lyles in there just so he can get, like, some – some bonus in his contract no, or something. 100% I, don't think, do that. I don't think he has any vesting options like that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Never mind then. They'll, they'll do it anyway. Yeah. Just, uh, just for kicks and giggles. Right. I mean, we've gone, we've gone the last two seasons without having a pitcher qualify for the ERA titles. So maybe we just wanted to have one of those this year. <laughs> maybe so. And it'll still be in the bottom half because I, if he qualifies and comes in last, does it count? <laughs> Workload, baby. Let's go. Let's go. I, someone was talking about it, how like Jordan Lyles is going to be one of those eighties pitchers who has like 200 plus innings, but a five and a half ERA or something like that. Like he, he's, he's going to lead good. baseball hits aloud. Oof. I like that. I like, well, I don't like that, but I think that's a solid prediction. All right, guys. Well, hey, before we, uh, before we get on out of here, why don't we actually do some Royals review reviews? So, Jeremy, I did, I did hear a little bit about how you disappeared last week on the podcast, and people did not get to hear your review. So, if you don't mind, could you rehash your review from uh, Sunday's episode? So, yes and no. Oh, okay. I will give you the same review, but it's, I'll give you the same show, but I'm do it different. Sounds good. Uh, so, the show I tried to recommend on Sunday was Star Trek Picard. Uh, which season three ended up being like a nostalgia bomb of a season. They brought back the entire original cast of the, or the entire main cast of the next generation, plus a couple of bit players. Um, and it was a lot of fun uh, to just see all those characters around and interacting with each other again. However, since Sunday, I have finished the season and the plot did some really wonky things. And there were a couple of themes that got a little confused with their metaphors. So they seemed to be saying some troubling things. I don't think it was intentional, but uh, it kind of came out that way anyway. Um, so I don't know that I can really recommend it. Um, I could only ever recommend it in the first place for people who are big Star Trek and the Next Generation fans, because like I said, it was a nostalgia bomb. If you're not there because you already love all those characters, it's not going to have the same impact on you. In fact, if you watch The Next Generation, you need to take a couple years uh, to really just let that nostalgia soak in before you go watch Picard Season 3. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Um, and yeah, there there were some real uh, issues with it uh, in the end. So I was a little disappointed, but, you know, uh, I guess that is what it is. Still worth it if you are like me and a big Trek nerd who uh, misses some of that classic Trek stuff. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for, for doing that again. I'm glad that you got a second chance at it, though. Greg, what do you have for a review this week? 
yes, uh, may the force be with you also. Um, I have, in getting back onto my, uh, my beer stuff from New Belgium Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado, I have the Atomic Citrus Blood Ale Voodoo Ranger, which is a bit unusual for a Voodoo Ranger because it's not actually an IPA, which I didn't realize that there were Voodoo Rangers that are not IPAs. But anyway, this is... It's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's a blood orange flavor ale. It's not like overwhelmingly fruity or anything, but it's very noticeable and it's the predominant kind of flavor profile here. So like, it's, it's fine. I don't, I don't necessarily love it, but yeah, you know, I'm always tr- available to try new things and anybody else that is like, yeah, no, give a shot, I guess. All right. Hey, might as well. I haven't had anything bad from Voodoo Ranger yet. So there's that at least. And I haven't had anything bad. I just had stuff that's less good than Me other neither. ones. Well, Jeremy, have you had anything from them? No, that's 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 a oh, joke. Okay, okay. Can't be disappointed if you never try. That is that rings true for so many things in life. <laughs> My gosh, I can't be disappointed by the rules if I just don't watch. I've I've seen so many of those posts <laughs> exactly. on social media, like taking <laughs> stickers off of cars and like I'm I'm leaving the fan base or like I can't stand for this anymore. Like oh okay, I no one was forcing you to stay here. You could <laughs> you could just be miserable along with the rest of us, right? Go Padres. At least they're not setting their cars on fire. That is oh, that could be worse. That is an excellent point. Um, for for my review this week, I will. I'll, I'll go with a completely different sport. Um, so some of the NFL schedule releases have been trickling out. And the one that the NFL officially announced today is that the Kansas City Chiefs will be facing the Miami Dolphins in Munich, Germany, I believe, um, this season. I think it's like week nine or Frankfurt. something like that. Is, is Kansas it City Chiefs? Yeah, the Kansas City is that, Chiefs. Is that like a, a minor league baseball team? Uh, yes. Who are they? They, they oh, are boy. the developmental team for the Kansas City Monarchs. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's pretty cool. Holmes is gonna is gonna be a real star someday. Yeah, he is <laughs> seeing, seeing right a lot now. of good things. Um, yeah, I saw him pitch his one inning at Texas Tech. <laughs> Didn't go so well. Real, uh, real flamethrower though. Just gotta get that <laughs> command under control though. That that'd be fun to do one day, just to evaluate Patrick Mahomes as a baseball prospect. <laughs> um, anywho's, I I don't get why the NFL would send that game overseas or later on in the season because one, some someone is going to be injured on the Dolphins before like week four. It's gonna be Tua Tagovailoa. It's gonna be Tyree Kill or something like that. But also, I just wanted to hear the booze of you know, Tyreek Hill coming on the field in Arrowhead stadium after all the crap that he said about the team. Uh, so I really would have loved to have the Miami dolphins in, in Kansas city, but apparently we're going across the pond all the way to Germany for this uh, matchup in week nine. So if you, if you want to know more about the schedule release, which will be on Thursday, you can go check out Arrowhead pride, but we only really care about the Royals hot dogs and bananas here. So you can go find all those things at royalsreview.com. All right, guys, before we get on out of here, let's find out where your socials and your work are. Jeremy, has anything changed? Or are you still, still at Hokias? That's where I am. And in fact, right. uh, if you want more details about my feelings about Picard in season three, I've got them up there. Heck yeah. Sounds like a plan. And then um, what can you give us a preview for your article this Saturday? 
at least part of it's going to be about MJ's uh, stance changes. I, I don't think that'll be a whole piece all by itself, so I got to come up with a little bit more. But uh, that's that's probably where I'll start. All right, sounds like a plan. And Greg, tell folks where you, they can find your podcast and more of your work at, please. Uh, you can find my socials at Greg, not Craig. That's Craig spelled C-R-E-G on Twitter. You can find my writing at rollersreview.com. I occasionally actually do finish the pieces that I start, but not always. And you can also listen to my podcast at Bat Flips and Infield Shifts. We do Major League Baseball episodes as well as a separate college baseball show. So you can check that out wherever you're listening to this. All right. Thank you so much, guys. And again, this is Jake Melham. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Milham KC, but also please follow the podcast on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod and also like the podcast in your in your podcast feed, you know, share it with your friends. I know I know we can be a little crazy, but we at least try to have fun while we're talking about these 10 win royals. Right, Jeremy? Leave leave a comment about the eating eating a hot dog. Eat a hot dog sideways and then leave a comment telling me how it changed your life. Yes, that that is going to be the Q and A on today's uh, on today's podcast. Trust me, gotten some interesting uh, interesting reactions to that Q and A. So I will be interested to see the responses. But everyone out there still listening, thank you so much for your support, and thank you for listening. And until next time.